salvation by doing stuff. If we're not careful, we'll lose the picture of who we are in Christ. It's not about working, but it's about existing in the place that God called you to exist. And we're called sons and daughters of God. We're called joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And I think there's so many things that God has for us that we never do tap into for whatever reason, uh, frustration, time, discouragement, depression, what, whatever stops us from becoming all that God wants us to, to be and all God wants us to do. Because it's important to do what God's called you to do, obviously. But it's more important to be what God has called you to be, and that is joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means that everything that God has is available to you, and God wants you to tap into that, that level or that dimension. I'd like to talk about a different level or a different dimension. I preached a sermon several years ago, New Levels, New Devils, and I believe that several have taken that title and probably have done a better job on it. But anytime you press towards the things of God, there's always resistance. The enemy is always going to try to stop you and hinder you and discourage you. The book of Daniel says, in the last days, and, and uh, Alden and I talked about that yesterday as we drove to, to Nashville. In the last days, Daniel said the enemy will have two purposes. Number one, to wear out the saints of the Most High God. And number two, to bring blasphemy against the name of Christ. That's the two areas that he works in. And we certainly see him working in both areas. That uh, the Bible says, don't be weary with well-doing. But it's okay to do stuff in the kingdom. But God does not want you to burn out. God wants you to be all that he's called you to be. And when you're womb, he began to weave a beautiful quilt. He began to weave all those things together. There's the bad. There's the good. There's the ugly. There's all that combined. But God has a place. God has a, permission, a position for you. And he wants you operating in another dimension. And it's so easy to get stuck in one dimension I remember for years and years and years, television was two-dimension. And now you can actually go to the theater and put on a certain pair of glasses that look very stupid, uh, made out of cardboard, and, and you can put those stupid-looking glasses on, and it looks like the drag is actually reaching right out into the congregation and trying to hurt your wound. You, I, I can't go 3D. It gives me a headache. And Al, my movie-going movie buddy, he's the same way, so we stick with the two dimension, but we have stepped into the area of three dimension, and that's all man-made. But there's another dimension. There's a fourth dimension that God wants you to operate in. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe that we have authority over the spiritual wickedness that tries to stop and hinder, that we have power to lay hands upon the sick. This is not a call just for evangelists and missionaries and pastors. It's to whosoever will, and that realm is there. And if you've never operated, we talked Sunday, last Sunday about vision. We talked Wednesday night about dreams and becoming what God wants you to be and pursuing your vision. If you've never been used to, to be involved in a miracle or you've never been used to be involved in an outpouring of God, you need to pursue that. You need to find a place. Uh, something happens when you withdraw from everything and you begin to pursue God. Uh, you look for him hard enough. You're going to find him because he's not hiding. God is not hiding from his children, but he's there as close as, the Bible says, the mention of his name. But we get so caught up in doing nothing 
when I look back this past seven days and I reflect what did, what did I actually accomplish this week besides spinning my wheels and watching Hallmark movies, um, we did help a single mom with her husband is in prison, will probably die in prison, committed murder, and uh, she didn't have groceries. And so this week we were able to purchase her groceries. Uh, Saturday we left rather early. We drove two and a half hours to Nashville, and there we went to a maximum security prison where most everybody there will die there. Uh, there was a man there, been there 26 years. He used a gun in a drug deal, and someone got shot, and uh, he will die. He will die there. But we were able to minister to someone who won't die there. And Aaron Cantrell will come out, and he will turn his life around, and his best days are ahead. All he could do was talk about the favor that God gave him right there in prison. And I thought about Joseph doing the right thing, was arrested and thrown into prison. But did not let that overwhelm him, but he turned that prison into a breath of fresh air. And that's exactly what Aaron is doing there. He's going to Bible studies. He's, he's, he's able to work. Uh, he's making 17 cents an hour. Please don't ever gripe about minimum wage or don't gripe about what you're making because you could be working for 17 cents an hour. He's guaranteed six hours a day, so that's about a dollar a day that he makes working landscaping outside the prison. But he did, that didn't seem to bother him. That didn't seem to deter him. He knew that he was like John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. He was on a from God. He was on a mission from God. He knew that God had him there, and where God had him, he was seeking the Lord in an area that he never would probably seek the Lord if he was not incarcerated. Sometimes God will allow circumstances to happen in our life. It rains on the just and on the unjust, and there'll be things that will happen in our life. It, it doesn't force us necessarily. That's not a good word. It, it negotiates us to seek God and to seek the things of God. And when you're going through a storm and when you've been told that you have a cancer or you've been told that you are bankrupt or you're told that your husband wants a divorce or you've been told whatever you're told, God sometimes will allow those issues of life to turn you closer to him. And it's okay to reach out to God. It's okay to, to try to find God. It's okay to pursue God. We have not because we ask not. He's a God that answers prayer. And I found a, a, a story here in the Bible, and I, and I want to share it with you in just a minute. Before I share that story, I want to share another story about a king that was under attack. God intervened through a prophet and told the king, you will get victory over your enemy. Take your staff and strike the, or take your scepter, rather, and strike the ground. The king took the scepter, and he struck the ground three times. And the man of God rebuked him. And said, why did you strike the ground only three times? That means that three times you will go against your enemy and you will prevail, but you will not destroy. Had you struck the ground several times, that meant that you would pursue and destroy your enemy until your enemy was annihilated. I think a lot of times we might settle for less when God has more. Does that make sense? We will settle for less when God has more. I'm reminded of the ten lepers, a very powerful story. All 10 of them were healed. They had the kind of leprosy that ostracized them from the village. They had to live outside the city in a leper commune, and they had the leprosy that would eat the skin and leave horrible wounds. And one leper went back and thanked the Lord. I don't know if you remember the story, but when he went back and thanked the Lord, the Lord said, go thy way and be made whole. 
So not only did God heal him of leprosy, but the wounds and the, and the, the frustrations and the embarrassment of leprosy, God healed all of it and made him brand new. I think a lot of times we will reach out to God and we will settle for something, not realizing that God has something more that he has for you. There's another dimension. There's another frequency. I don't know if you ever watched the movie with De Dennis Quaid and with Jim Caviezel. Uh, it, was a, it was a very interesting movie. And ironically, I bring that up because I talked to Pastor Billy Thursday and we were talking about some things that were happening in his ministry. And a very powerful man of God said, Billy said, you're operating on another frequency. You're operating on a different frequency that a lot of us are not operating on. A lot of us are not, are not, are not flowing. And as uh, he spent some time in California, he called me to rub it in. He was walking on the Huntington Beach Pier, which I've spent uh, a lot of time uh, when I was a pothead. I spent a lot of time on the end of the pier uh, fishing. We never caught anything, but we went fished all night long on the pier. And he began to rub it in that he was in my stomping grounds. I lived in Huntington Beach for quite a while. Pastor Ron, had, our first house was there. And uh, we were talking and visiting, and he was with Rich Wilkerson, uh, who has a powerful ministry called Melody Land there in Southern California. And uh, uh, Pastor Rich said something to Pastor Billy about Acts, the 12th chapter. And he began to share what, he, what Rich told him in the, second, in the 12th chapter of Acts. It, it opens a door or opens a place that you and I can walk in, and that's expecting God to do the divine, expecting God to be God, expecting God to do stuff that we cannot do. If we may look at Acts, the 12th chapter, bad things happen to good people. About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him to put him in prison, delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And his purpose was after Easter to bring him forth to the people and to execute him as he had executed James because it pleased the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I love that. Prayer was made without ceasing. Ephesians 6 says, pray without ceasing. I shared with Alden yesterday, Pastor Rhonda is wired different, differently than I am. She will spend an hour in prayer and an hour in study. There is rarely a time that I will pray an hour, but never does an hour go by that I'm not praying. Does that make sense? I try to keep my thoughts focused on God all day long. And so God, God may, may share something with me or put a burden in my heart or bring someone into my life that needs prayer, and I'll have, have a word of prayer. I like on Facebook when I'm asked to uh, pray in a certain situation, I just push, I feedback and say, praying now. I stop right there, and I pray for that request that I found on Facebook or anybody else. Donnie called me yesterday and asked me to pray or called me and asked me to pray about something the day before yesterday. And when he said that, I stopped doing what I was doing, and I just began to pray. I think that's pray without ceasing. I don't think God wants you to walk around 24-7 speaking in tongues. I just don't see anything. Uh, uh, I don't see that. That will edify you, but it does not edify the body. The Bible says speaking in tongues edifies you, but that does not edify the body. So when we have this concept of pray without ceasing, it means pray until we get a breakthrough. 
Pray till we get results. Pray till we get an answer. Don't stop praying until you see something spiritually happen and prayers answered one way or another. Look at someone and say, one way or another. Sometimes God will say no to give you something better. As Pastor Todd was sharing about his promotion, I couldn't th- help think about Ed Herbert, a very dear friend of this house, a part of the ministry. His children were here in the youth, and Ed had a very good job. And uh, Ed was fired because the boss wanted his nephew to have Ed's position. And so Ed was fired for no reason, and he lost his job. He came to church, I believe it was on a Wednesday night, told us what was going on. We had a word of prayer, and I had a word of knowledge for him. And I told him, I said, I believe God's got something better for you, but you never would have quit this job. You would have stayed there until you retired. You would have never left it. But I believe God is promoting you. The next day, look at someone and say, the next day, he got another job that he confessed at the end of the month that he was making twice as much money as he had made on the first job. See, God will allow bad stuff to happen to promote you and to bring good things in your life. So if you've gone through some bad stuff, rehearse that and realize God is probably setting you up for a miracle. God is setting you up for a breakthrough. God is setting you up to move you into another dimension. If we go back to our reading, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, look at somebody say the day before, God's always on time. Aren't you glad? At the tomb of Lazarus, it was four days late, but it was just on time. God is always on time. The day before Peter was going to be executed, notice what happens. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. As I was perusing Facebook uh, this morning, I stopped where it said Bill Gaither uh, tree or Bill Gaither band or whatever their name is, and they were doing a chain breaker. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it is a powerful song. If you have a hurt, he's a hurt healer. If you have a chain, he is the chain breaker. And right there in the middle of that prison, the night before Peter is going to die, God comes, he sends an angel, light shines, and the angel tells Peter, get up, get dressed, we're out of here. I believe some of you are about ready to step into a new level of life, a new level of ministry, where God's saying, wake up, get dressed, we're headed out of here. We're going to do some new stuff. We're going to do some cool stuff. We're going to see some breakthroughs. We're going to see some miracles. We're going to see some healings. And again, those promises aren't just to preachers and evangelists, but that promise is to you, your household, and your your children. That's the prophetic word that God has for you. He is about to walk you through a breakthrough. Notice if you will, verse 8. And the angel said unto him, Gird up thyself, and bind on thy sandals. So he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment upon about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel. But he thought he saw a vision. The whole time this is going on, Peter does not realize that this is really happening. He thinks he's in a vision. He thinks he's having a vision of God delivering him from prison. Verse 10, and when they were past the first and the second ward, the second gate, they came into the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them 
of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. The first two gates the angel opened. The last gate God opened. Let me say that again. The first two gates the angel opened. The last gate God opened. A brand new dimension, a brand new place for Peter where God intervenes and God sets him free and God turns him loose and God operates on his behalf. Notice, if you will, it wasn't prayer that opened the gate. It wasn't praise that opened the gate. It was not servanthood that opened the gate. It was not an offering that opened the gate. It was favor that opened the gate. Peter's best days were ahead. God was not done with him. God still had a great work for him. And although he had walked on water, cut the ear off the servant, had quite a legacy already, already a lot could be said about Peter. He's the one that bragged on Jesus. And then 10 seconds later, Jesus saying, get thee behind me, Satan. Hello. Peter was just one of those guys that he made things happen. He was a type A personality, and he was a guy that pushed until he got a breakthrough. And so God sends an angel, the first two gates the angel helps him with, but the last gate was a gate of favor. Let me tell you something. Your best days are ahead. Later, we're going we're gonna to pray for Donnie's business. Donnie has a dream. Donnie has a, 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 he has a vision. He has a plan. And I believe God's going to bless it. I believe that God's going to use it. I believe Donnie said, well, I'm 57. Well, you're just a baby. Your best days. Look at somebody and say, Donnie's best days are ahead. Because when we talked this morning about the, 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 the business and talked about tithe and talked about the first thing he said was, Pastor, I want to be blessed with millions so I can bless the church. What an attitude. A lot of us have, well, I want to be blessed with millions so I can buy a Maserati. Or I'm not going to drive something I can't spell, Kelly, uh, Devin, but... Uh, I'm, 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 I want to be blessed so I can buy a 35-room mansion or I want to, because I wanted this. He said, no, I want to be blessed so I can bless the kingdom and I can bless my family. And that attitude, that, that motivation, God will bless that because he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will follow. That's the way he, that's the way he flows. Go ahead and give him a hand clap of appreciation. If you verse number 11. Now, when Peter was come to himself, realizing that it was not a vision. Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. There it is again. They're gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she heard Peter's voice, she opened not the gate. Watch this. She opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. This is interesting. He's already been through three gates, two opened by angel, one opened by God. But the fourth gate to, to secure Peter's breakthrough, Peter's victory, was a little girl by the name of Rhoda. This is the only time you see her mentioned. She's not mentioned anyplace else in the word but she is a young lady that opened the gate that allowed Peter to reconnect with the church, reconnect with his purpose, reconnect with his destiny. In jail, he knew James had just been, uh, had been beheaded. He knew that his time was short. He knew that it was over for him. He was going to die a martyr's death. But God had an extension on his life. 
an extension on his ministry, and God used a little young lady by the name of Rhoda to open the door to bring forth victory that he could live and he could be restored and he could do all that God wanted him to do. I believe there are some Rhodas in this building this morning. I believe there are some sons of encouragement in this building. I believe there are some prayer warriors in this building. I believe there are those that will intercede for others and see a breakthrough not only in in their other's life, but also in their life. You can't do what God wants you to do and be where God wants you to be and say what God wants you to say and not reap all the benefits of God's blessings upon you. You are a miracle waiting to happen. You are a breakthrough that's about to break through, and you're going to break through to such a degree that you're going to scare people around you, and they're going to freak out and say, is that the little Rhoda that was at the prayer meeting? Is that the little Rhoda? And, and, and the Lord's going to say, yes, because I'm doing mighty exploits through him. I'm doing mighty exploits through her. I don't care what their past has been. I don't care what's in their What's in, what's in their past? I'm not looking at the past, but I'm looking at this is a brand new day that I have for them. They stepped out in faith. They honored my word. They followed the teaching. They got full of the word, full of prayer, and now I'm going to bless them. Give the Lord a hand clap if you will. I want to read just a, a little bit farther. And they said unto her, you're crazy, verse 15. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said, this is angel. But Peter continued knocking. That's what I wanted to talk about this morning. Peter continued knocking. He knew he was free, but he knew he probably needed to be somewhere before he got arrested again. He said, I probably need to get in that prayer meeting, that Bible study. I need to get surrounded by people that love me and will take care of me. And Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. I, I believe that God wants to answer your, your prayers to such a level that it's going to freak you out. I believe God wants to, wants to honor you financially to such a level that it's going to freak you out. The Bible says when they opened the door and saw Peter, they freaked out. They were astonished. They were blown away. Because I believe there are times in our life when we pray for things that we really don't expect an answer I believe there are times we ask God for things that we really don't expect God to provide. Uh, I remember about three days ago, uh, I lost my debit card. And I knew where I lost it. I knew, I knew where I was, and I knew uh, where it would be. And uh, so I started praying. I said, Lord, I said, I said, let my debit card be there. Then I realized, I said, you know what? It's either there or it's not. Probably prayer is not going to help a whole lot in this scenario. I just need to go and see if it was there. Well, it wasn't there. So I went to the bank, canceled it, got another debit card. Nobody used it. I was blessed. But I was thinking about a lot of times we, we pray things that, that we don't believe that they're going to happen. We don't believe they're going to take place, but we pray them anyway. Am I helping anybody in this house? And a lot of times we need to revisit the prayers of yesterday to follow up and bring it into fruition that God spoke it. I believe it is going to happen. I need to pray without ceasing because there's someone knocking on the door in my behalf, someone knocking on the door for my benefits that are praying for me, and I really need a breakthrough. Where are you this morning? You really need a breakthrough. I would really like to go from the dimension I'm in, the level I'm in, to the next dimension, whether it's the dimension of trust, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the flame. You know the story. 
That was a th three-dimensional flame, and it, was, it killed the, the guards that built the fire. But as they were walking in that flame, the king looked in and said, I thought we threw three men in. Well, we did. Well, I see four, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, what, whatever that means, if, if Jesus was glowing or had an aura or what was going on, he saw something that rocked his world, but that was the fourth dimension. And they were there because they refused to compromise. You said, we will bend, bow, or burn. And he said, we might burn, but we are not going to bow. We are not going to submit to this graven image. We're going to worship our God. And sometimes when you make a stand and when you just square your shoulders and throw your head back and say, I'm not backing off, I'm not letting up, I'm like that bulldog that's got this rope. We had a bulldog when we were first married. Her name was Brandy, and I would get a rope, and she would grab the end of the rope, and then I would literally, 360, I would swing her off the ground all the way around as many times until I got dizzy and fell down. She never let grow of the rope. She had tenacity that was incredible. And if she ever got you in the leg, you were in trouble because she didn't know how to let go. And that generation, most of you don't remember the 70s generation where it was important to own a pit bull. A pit bull was a dog, and everybody had one, but everybody that owned a pit bull had a stick in their pocket. It was called a brake stick. And the stick was, was designed that if that pit bull ever got, got a hold of something, you had to put the stick behind the gums all the way through the mouth, and then you turned the stick, and that opened the teeth of the pit bull, and it would let go. I believe some of us need to be so tenacious, and we need so focused, and so tied in that not even a brake stick, not even a negative word from the enemy, a negative word from the family, a negative word from the boss, a negative word from the wife, that not one single negative word can break that hold that we have on the things of God that we would hold fast to our profession and make up our mind we're not going to let go. I'm reminded of a guy that was out climbing a cliff and he fell. Looked like he was falling to his death. There was a limb growing out of the cliff and he managed to hold on to it. He grabbed a hold of that limb, and he looked up, and he said, Help! Is there anybody up there? Help! And a voice came back down and said, Yes. Can I help you? He said, Who is it? Well, it's the Lord. Well, Lord, I've fallen off this cliff. I'm holding this bush, and I'm about to die. And the Lord answered back and said, I'll help you. Turn loose of the bush. Kind of quiet for a moment like you. And he looked back up and said, is there anybody else up there? God has a plan for your life, but there's some things you might have to turn loose. I know I'm a double negative. I'm telling you to hold on with the pit bull, but there's some things maybe you need to let go, and maybe that thing you need to let go is your unbelief. They prayed, Lord, I believe. The servant prayed, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm struggling in some areas where I really need a supernatural breakthrough. I really want to step to the next level. I want to step in the next dimension. But there are chains and weights and there are filthy rags. There are things that are disqualifying me. And God is saying, turn loose and let God. Turn loose and let God. And he continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they were astonished. It is my desire this week that something would happen in your life so supernatural that you would literally freak out and you'd have to text me or call me and say, Pastor, you're not going to believe this, but that contract I was believing for, I got that job that promoted me into a new area of finances, I got. Pastor, my, my mom and dad have reconnected and we've been restored. I've been restored to my children. 
a debt has been forgiven me that I don't have to pay. That's my prayer for you this week, and I'm going to pray that without ceasing and just believe you're going to step into the next dimension and take everything that God has for you. Do I have a friend in the house? As we pray without ceasing, there are three levels of prayer. It's still 11 minutes till 11, so I'm good. There are three levels of prayer. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. The asking and it shall be given is praying what you know to be the will of God. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. We know it's God's will not just to bless us, but allow us to walk in an area of forgiveness. That is the word of God. And if right now you're really struggling forgiving someone that has wronged you, that has hurt you, that has offended you, that has wounded you, you really need to take it to God and you really need to let it go. Because the Bible says if you come to the altar bringing your gift, and that is whatever that gift would be, prayer, praise, or tithe, when you bring, come to the altar and God reminds you, You've got ought with your worker. You've got ought with your husband. You've got ought with an ex-husband. You've got ought with this. You've got ought with that. You need to leave your gift here. You need to go, and you need to try to make it right. Because, see, you can't make it right every time because the person that you're going to, they've got to receive your apology. But the Bible says if they don't receive your apology, you've done what you're supposed to do. You've made it right. Your heart's pure your hands are clean, your conscience is secure, and you go back to the altar and give your gift and expect God to bless it. So that's the ask. We, we know what the will of God is, and we pray and receive. Then there's a season in our life where we're not sure, should I take that job? Should I buy that house? Should I sell my car? Should I get married? Should I have children? And that you go into a season of seeking God. And you begin to look for God's will and look for God's answer. And the word says, if you'll take the time to seek it, God will take the time to find it. I'm preaching good this morning. If you'll take the time to seek it, God will take the time to find it. He will bring it to you, and it will be an answer, and it will be clear. Then there's the impossible scenario. There's a scenario where the door is slammed shut. It's locked. It's bolted. It's not going to be moved. But you knock. And you keep knocking. And the more you knock, the more that God intercedes. All of a sudden, there's a breakthrough. That door swings open. And you step into the place of provision that God has for you that the enemy told you you couldn't have. You've already lost. You've messed it up. You're disqualified. God said, no, I qualified the disqualified. I, I name the unnamed. I call the uncalled. That's what I do. Let me do what I do as long as you will do what you're supposed to do. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. Look at somebody and say page two. Because of the time, let me go to let me go to First Chronicles seven, First Chronicles four. Several years ago, and I believe it was somewhere. Around 9-11, a very powerful book was written. Several of you in this house have probably read it. If you haven't read it, you need to get it. It's a must read. And there was an author who took the prayer of Jabez 
and outlined it and discussed it and defined it and taught how to pray it. It's a very valuable prayer because of where it's located. Now, my little niece had her little baby. I didn't know, Pastor Ron, if you knew or not, but she did have, and Graceland, was it Graceland, Caitlin? Graceland, Caitlin is the baby's name, Graceland, Kate. Um, and that's, that's a pretty cool name. But I've noticed the past several years, we've been naming our kids weird names. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but, you, you know, you'll get these weird, funky names. It's like, were your parents drinking when they named you? I mean, what was the... How did you come to get that name? But notice if we will, if, if you think you have a problem with names now, look at names then. Look at verse 6, just for the fun of it. And Nera bare Azuzam, and Hefer, and Temeni, and Hararashatari. These were the sons of Nera. And the sons of Hela were Zareth, Zizoph, and Ethan. And Kaz began Anub, Zobabah, and the families of Ariel, the son of Haram. And then notice, if you will, in verse 11. And Chelub, the brother of Shua, begot Mihar, which was the father of Eshton. And Eshton begot Belrapha and Peskeh and Tekaniah, the father of, and I'm not even going to try that one. These are the men of Rechah. So right here in the middle, and as you research this chapter, these were all godless generations. These are generations that chose not to serve God. So right before and right after all these godless nations, we find this guy by the name of Jabez in verse 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez because I bear him with sorrow. The generation that Jabez was birthed in was a very bad, negative, anti-God generation, and that's why mom named him Sorrow. But he was an honorable man, and if you look at verse 10, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thy hand might be with me, and thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Peter knocked on the door, to the door open. The saints prayed until Peter was released. I believe we've come to a place in our spiritual life where we need to revisit prayer. And not necessarily prayers like, oh God, save the world. That's a beauty pageant's prayer. World peace, okay? I believe that we've come to a place where we need to be very specific, very detailed, very fo focused. And if it's important for you to write the prayer down that you can remember the prayer, that's important, but keep that legal pad close because within a day, a week, a month, a year, You'll take that magic mark, marker, Devin, and you'll mark that prayer out because God has answered that prayer. And it's my desire for you that this week would be a week that you visit your legal pad with a marker and say, God answered that, God provided that, God brought that to pass. Everything God wanted to do, he did. And remember, it's not on what you do, it's who you are. Somebody, was it Shakespeare? That said to be or not to be, that is the question that is also, was it Shakespeare? Ha, 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 Hamlet? Hamlet who, who? Shout at me. Is it Hamlet? How many say it's Hamlet? How many says it's Shakespeare? How many says I don't have a, I don't have a clue? Who? Where's, where's the ones I, and then where's the ones that say, why is it important? Go ahead. 
There you have it. Hamlet and Shakespeare synopsis with to be or not to be. That is the question. That is also the answer. When you dress yourself tomorrow, dress for success. Dress for positioning for a raise. Dress for an answered prayer. When you get up in the morning and look at that mirror and brush your teeth and comb that beautiful hair, look at yourself and say, I am awesome because God says I'm awesome. I have arrived because God said I've arrived. I'm authentic. There's no one else like me. When God made me, he threw away the mold. I have a fingerprint unlike anybody else. I'm special. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And today I'm going to go take back what the enemy has stolen. Today I'm going to go back and take what God has for me. I'm going to go through doors. I'm going to knock on doors. I'm going to see them open. And they don't open naturally. The Bible says the praise of the angels shook the doors of heaven. The post of the door moved at the voice that him decried. If my door refuses to open, I'm going to stand in front of it. I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to give God glory. I'm going to give God victory, and I'm going to step back and give God room to break the door open for me. Thank you. And that's the word that I have for you this morning, and I pray that's the word that encourages you. We've already praised. We've already worshiped. Did uh, Chris and Leanne do awesome today? It is incredible with uh, Austin and Keith helping. It's It's a team. It's a team effort, and we thank God for that. I'm going to give you a chance to sow in, in the offering this morning, as Pastor Rhonda mentioned, as we have become quite well at doing. We wrote a hot check Friday, knowing that 